Hey, what's going on, guys? This is Ethan Closine with the Goal to Go podcast, coming to you on this Monday, April 26th, four days ahead of the 2021 NFL Draft. Um, and yes, we will we will get into the 2021 NFL Draft. Finally, it is here, guys. Uh, we kind of go through this waiting period after the Super Bowl ends of getting to free agency and then getting to the draft before total darkness hits. Um, and we don't get back and kind of talk football, talk shop until a uh, training camp starts. But um, before we, uh, before we get to that dark period though, yes, we still have the NFL draft. Um, and I would like to, I am going to talk about the NFL draft in a later episode this week, but some important news came down on Sunday evening, yesterday evening, uh, and this morning as well with some draft related no- news that I wanted to talk about. So we will get into some of my bold predictions that I'm going to have for the draft this year. Uh, but we will cover that later this week. I'm hoping Wednesday. So you guys will hear from me then hopefully, uh, but Today, yes, there were some things um, draft-related that came down in the NFL news cycle yesterday evening and this morning that I wanted to get to, Uh, so let's jump right into it. We are four days ahead of the 2021 NFL Draft, like I said, and it appears that we have more clarity at the number three overall position in the draft. Yes, that is the San Francisco 49ers, who traded up with the Miami Dolphins earlier this year. And NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport reported late Sunday evening that, per sources, San Francisco has narrowed its decision down to Alabama quarterback Mac Jones and North Dakota State University quarterback Trey Lance. Now, this is in line with what we've been hearing as far as Jones is concerned. From the moment that the Niners traded up, there was much hoopla to be made that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch were enamored with Mac Jones. Um, But the big story here is with this reduction in prospects down to two guys, this all but eliminates decorated Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields uh, from contention to be the third overall pick. Fields, who is many draft analysts' third best quarterback prospect, is now likely to fall out of the top five, barring a QB needy team trading with Atlanta or Cincinnati at the four and five spot. But um, I mentioned that this is consistent with what insiders have been dishing about the 49ers. Lance and Jones appear to be the most pro-ready quarterbacks outside of the top two prospects in Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. Uh, Trey Lance of North Dakota State, he played mostly under center and out of the shotgun while at North Dakota State, Um, and he didn't put the ball in harm's way either throughout his college career. He didn't throw his first interception of his college career until his final collegiate games. Uh, Collegiate game, those are both things that are attractive to general managers and scouts alike, and then you add in how he's a bigger-bodied quarterback with athleticism, and he has the look of a dynamic quarterback prospect in 2021. Uh, Mac Jones, however, he is less convincing from a modern-day quarterback's perspective. Uh, He has average size and average athleticism, but where he shines, and I believe this is where John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have really fallen in love with him over, um, is that his passes, just the amount of touch um, and efficiency that he can kind of drop these passes in the bucket along the sideline, um, is really at a elite level as far as quarter as a college quarterback prospects are concerned. And then you add that in with his ability to hang in the pocket, especially against these SEC level defenses that are surely bearing down his neck. Those are two attractable things that these general managers like to see. And despite all this speculation about whether he will go number three overall or he'll go somewhere else, 
just from a career outlook standpoint, if he can carry over those abilities from his college career against NFL caliber defenses, his lack of mobility and contribution in the running game won't matter. He'll still be able to find success. It's not where the NFL is headed, but you still see guys like Tom Brady is a great example, and then Drew Brees outside of these last couple of years, and then Peyton Manning of just you know five, six years ago. Great examples of quarterbacks that were not mobile, but found extreme success in other areas. Um, but this is, uh, this is still a shocker. Uh, moving away from the uh, Lance and Jones perspective and more onto Fields now, this is still a shocker to many in the NFL community that he, Fields appears to be out at number three. The past two weeks, there has been numerous columns all around NFL media circles of analysts and uh, draft uh, draft Knicks just praising Fields, uh, his passing prowess and his dynamic rushing ability. Um, he People have really fallen in love with him over the past couple of weeks. It's just that the question marks start to come up surrounding Fields when going through his progressions. According to Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network, he did struggle when the defense took his initial read away and he was forced to go through his progressions and look at his second and third reads. Though, uh, to Fields' credit, Daniel Jeremiah did note in his draft outlook of Justin Fields that he seemed to show significant growth, especially in the 2021 Sugar Bowl against the Clemson Tigers. Um... Going uh, going through his progressions, all his reads at all three levels of the game, and really dropping the uh, dropping his passes in a bucket. And that was also the same game, if you want to question his toughness as well, where Fields took a nasty shot um, across the middle and yet stayed in the game and finished the game with, I think, uh, four touchdowns and over 300 yards or something like that. Um, but those concerns about going through his reads, and then additionally, uh, there were some concerns about his character. And whether he truly loved the game of football and could be a good teammate, there was a story circulating earlier this uh, this month um, about his a story about his freshman season at Georgia before he transferred to Ohio State, where he was more focused on his self development as a player when he came in from high school than he was with making friends on the team and kind of building that camaraderie with his teammates. Apparently, this has some scouts and general managers concerned about his ability to kind of mesh with the locker room and vibe with his teammates. Um, I'm not super concerned about that. That strikes me more as a 18 year old kid with a bit of a chip on his shoulder. Coming into a collegiate program, and not just a collegiate program, but a a top-tier collegiate program in the University of Georgia, and trying to put his head down and grind, and try and convince the coaching staff there that he is a prospect that they should throw into the starting lineup. Um... I feel like that comes with a lot of guys that are entering college circles coming from the high school game. They really need to prove that they can overtake some of these older veterans, these older players, some of, maybe these juniors and seniors that already have cemented spots at their positions. I don't, I don't put much weight into those concerns. It just sounds like a kid that is dedicated to his craft. And many have come to his defense, including his former head coach, Ryan Day at Ohio State, um, that he was a great teammate and uh, with concerns about his character and whether he truly loves the game. Ryan Day mentioned that when the coronavirus hit and there was speculation that the a Big Ten was not going to play 
in the in the 2021 NFL season, Justin Fields led the charge, uh, got peti- got a petition and got signatures uh, to put the Big Ten season back on track. Uh, and he used that, Ryan Day did, Ryan Ryan Day used that as an example of this is a guy who wanted to play, he didn't want to take an off year, uh, he wanted to get back on the field with his teammates. So with all of these concerns, I really don't expect any of these issues to warrant an Aaron Rodgers-like fall um, on the Thursday's draft uh, for Justin Fields. And just because the 49ers don't view Fields as their franchise quarterback doesn't mean other teams will think the same, including the New England Patriots. NFL Network reporter Tom Pelissero reported Monday morning that the Patriots have been calling teams in the top 10 of this year's draft about a potential trade up. Pelissero also added that the teams who received those calls from the Pats believe their target would be Justin Fields. So even though Fields doesn't look to be a top three pick, I think it's safe to say that he will be a top 10 pick. Um, And it also pains me to say this. But the Patriots make a ton of sense as a landing spot for Justin Fields. He and Cam Newton play a similar style of game. They're big-bodied passers, mobile guys uh, that can make the throws at all three levels. Um, At least that's what Cam pre-2020 could do. Uh, But regardless, it still seems like the fit is there. And as proficient as Josh McDaniels, the Patriots offensive coordinator is, it seems like he wouldn't have to tweak much as far as his scheme is concerned. Um, if Fields is the guy to get him up to speed, that's kind of the offense that they already run. Um, yes, Cam did sign an extension this offseason, so maybe there's speculation about whether the Patriots don't need a quarterback because they re-signed Cam Newton. What Cam re-signed, it was basically a just throwing a dog a bone, kind of doing, it was like mutually beneficial to both parties involved. The Patriots gave Cam a chance to come back. It's not like he was garnering a huge amount of interest in the open market based on how he played in 2020. And on top of that, it was a placeholder for the Pats in case they couldn't find a quarterback as well. It just ensured that they had something at the position going into 2021. The contract that he signed was for backup money. He's making about $1 million, $2 million with incentives. Um, not a bunch of roadblocks there for the Patriots. Um, the main concern, though, with this situation would be a move up from the current from the Patriots current spot in the draft they currently hold the 15th overall pick um so it would be pricey for them to come into the top 10 uh potentially around the uh four or five pick if they wanted to get hold of other uh, get in front of other teams that are looking for a quarterback uh potentially the Lions potentially the Panthers potentially the Broncos they would have to get up in that four or five range but there is some uh, speculation that the Lions are interested in a move back at their number seven position that would make it a little bit more feasible and affordable for the Patriots to move up uh, from 15. And then the last question is, would they do that? Are the Patriots a team that would move up and pay that uh, big price tag in order to move up and get their quarterback? Well, we've seen Bill Belichick do this a couple of times. Uh, they did it in 2012 uh, twice with both uh, linebacker Donta Hightower and outside linebacker Chandler Jones. If Belichick's going to do that for the right defenders, I think he would do it for the right quarterback as well. So the Patriots, um, one of the options to move up and draft Justin Fields along with some other teams. Moving on, with the news that San Francisco has reduced their list of quarterback prospects to two, Atlanta now becomes a hot trade target name at number four overall. 
But they're in the trade market news cycle today for a completely different reason, and that is due to Atlanta taking calls for seven-time Pro Bowl wide receiver Julio Jones. NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport reported that the Falcons have received multiple inquiries about possible trades for Jones. This report is in lockstep with what Peter King of NBC reported in his weekly Monday morning quarterback column. Um, This has been a topic that has come up more than once this offseason. Falcons owner Arthur Blank has expressed earlier this year that he does expect Julio to be on the Falcons in 2021, but won't stand in the way of his team's new front office if they wanted to go down that route. Now, let's take a step back here. Uh, Because there is a couple of things that force the Falcons into this predicament. First of all, Julio is coming off an injury-plagued season uh, that saw him miss almost half of the year. Uh, He only played nine games um, uh, due to knee and ankle issues, and he's entering his age 32 season, so he's kind of getting up there in age. Um, The Falcons also are in the worst position cap-wise entering this draft season. They are currently $6 million over the cap, which is more than any other team in the league. And they also have a league-low 56 players signed to their roster right now. 56 players. Now, keep this in mind for those of you that may not know, like, okay, relative to what, what does that mean? Entering training camp, teams are allowed up to 90 players, and all teams typically have that 90 players. I don't know if there is a time where a team has not entered training camp with 90 players. I mean, you want to have as many, you know, lottery tickets as undrafted free agents and, you know, drafted guys just to see if they amount to anything. So most teams, I would imagine, go into training camp with their 90 players. So the Falcons entering draft season with 56 players signed to their roster is a big problem. Most teams, if you go to overthecap.com, most teams have about 70 to 80 guys already on their roster, and it makes sense. You go through a seven-round draft, you know, making about, I think the average was about eight selections um, in a seven-round draft. So you add eight guys, and then after those eight guys, you usually fill the rest of your roster with some of these undrafted prospects that you think could amount to maybe some special teamers or, you know, maybe amount to something much bigger and uh, are actually like full-time contributors. But the point is, is that usually these teams have far more players than 56 and Atlanta is really behind the ball because of their cap situation here. It's just a roster management nightmare for Atlanta. By all accounts, though, uh, it seems that Atlanta would love to still have Julio on their roster. Uh, when he was healthy this pa- uh, this past season, he still looked like the same dominant receiver that we've seen the past decade. It's just a matter of uh, the cap situation, and he's going to be 32 this year, and the production slippage is to be expected as a player... Uh, continues to age on the wrong side of 30. His cap hit this year is 23 million and then nearly 20 million the next two off seasons after that. Um, and if you're new general manager, Terry Fontenot, um, it may be worth getting in front, front of this for now uh, for two reasons. A, obviously you have a massive financial situation you're currently facing. If you get out in front of this and you trade Julio Jones, that would get you under the cap and you'd be able to sign some more of these uh, free agents that are still out there, maybe signed a bevy of undrafted free agents following the draft and really fill out your roster. And then B, 
you get significant return on a Hall of Fame caliber player who could be on the decline in the near term. Julio's always struggled with injury bugs and uh, being on the injury report seemingly on a weekly basis, and that was when he was in his 20s. Now that he's entering his 30s, his body just naturally is going to break down, and it seems, it, it is a possibility at least, that this seven games that he missed in 2021, it, it could become more of a regularity. So maybe that's something that uh, the new general manager in Atlanta would like to get in front of. In order to make this trade work, uh, it would have to occur following June 1st due to the language in Julio's contract. Uh, if he's traded before June 1st, Atlanta would have to eat $23 million in dead cap in 2021. Uh, compare that to after June 1st, and that number decreases to $7.75 million in dead cap. So it's a significant difference if he's traded after June 1st. Uh, so with that timetable, the Falcons have some time to weigh their options and determine what is the best decision for them to go down. Uh, Peter King of NBC, he believes that the Falcons would be willing to part ways with Julio for a second round pick. And given Julio's age and price tag for the next few years, I would chalk that up to a win if I was Atlanta. Uh, we will see where this goes, guys, um, if there's anything that Atlanta can do to fix their cap situation and retain Julio. But with 34 players still needing to be added to this roster and with Jones on the bad side of 30, it's not looking good for the Dirty Birds uh, to hang on to their premier pass catcher of the last decade. But we will see. We will keep tabs on this as we progress through the offseason. Alright guys, that is all I had for you tonight. Just a couple of draft notes uh, entering draft week. Uh, like I mentioned at the top of the show, the draft kicks off April 29th, I believe. That is this Thursday, yes. And I believe it is at 6pm Pacific Time, 9pm Eastern. So uh, check your TV guide just to make sure that you know when the draft is starting so you can get your refreshments ready get your popcorn and make sure that your girlfriend is sitting in front of a tv watching gossip girl while you watch the draft so uh but yes i will i will be releasing another episode this week prior to the draft i'm hoping on wednesday it may be thursday morning guys depending on my work schedule so bear with me on that and we will be going through some bold predictions i have for the 2021 nfl draft should be a lot of fun all right guys that's all i have for you today Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, stay safe, mask when necessary, and show compassion and kindness to those around you. You never know what someone may be going through. I'm Ethan Klesine, signing off until Wednesday.